Whether you have a diagnosis or not, I don't care. Jump inside this podcast and I'm going to teach you how to read your own blood work so you can find the answers to your health concerns. Yes, those normal labs that your doctor keeps saying, oh, they look great. We'll see you again in six months. They really have answers in them if you know how to read it correctly. So come join me along this journey, leave a review and share with your friends. Let's dive in. All right, welcome to the Beyond the Diagnosis with Dr. Kylie. We're supposed to hit record and then get a six second countdown and we didn't. It was like 1.5 seconds. All of a sudden it's recording. (sighs) The upgrades of technology is just when you get it, something changes. So on today's episode, I'm hanging out with Kathy Fritz. She is a health coach, a board certified health coach who helps women in the before stages of menopause. Not during menopause too, but we're going to talk about those few years leading up to menopause and how the heck do you know you're in it, what to do about it. And then we're going to leave you with a couple surprising tips on how you can reduce your hot flashes, insomnia, and waistline at that age of your life. So Kathy, welcome on. Thanks, Dr. Kylie. It's great to be here with you and all your listeners. Yeah. So tell me why perimenopause for you? Um, so my background is actually in education. I was a high school English teacher for a while and I thought I always would be. Um, but when I shifted into the health and wellness industry, it was so clear that there was a real lack of information about perimenopause as well as a whole lot of misinformation. And something you probably know about educators is that when we see an opportunity to share what we know, we just jump on it. We can't help ourselves. It's like ingrained in who we are. And so um, when I saw that, you know, my friends and acquaintances were dealing with these symptoms, not knowing how to manage them, I just saw an opportunity to help them out. Um, and that's kind of how the, how the whole thing started. Yeah. Cool. So you don't longer teach, you're now health coach. Yes. So if you had told my 22-year-old self that one day I'd ever leave the English teacher classroom, I would have said, you don't know me. When I make a decision, I stick to it. Um, But having babies changes a lot of things. Um, And for me, what it changed was uh, how much I wanted to be home. And so I did teach part-time for a year. It was the best year ever I could have patience for my students, patience for my children. It was great. Um, but the school I worked for said I had to come back full time. So I didn't. I left. Yeah, you pulled the plug. <laughs> I, I did. Like that. I pulled the plug. Um, good, 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 good. <sighs> I'm just in the middle of what do I pull the plug on so I can create new things? And <laughs> I'm getting like so many different many messages. <sighs> Just take a big deep breath and we're going to get through this. You pulled the plug and I'm the same way. I work part-time. I will not create some massive amount of company right now where I am required 60 hours a week. I just won't do it. And I've got to make sure that it's fluctuating and it's, yeah. Well, your hormones, thank you for that, just so you know. (laughs) Yes, I know, right? (laughs) Um, Okay, hormones, here we go. I feel like I'm a little bit scattered today. So sorry, guys, about this. Um, talk to me about hormones. I'm just going to turn the time over to you. because 
My brain okay. is literally 9 million different places right now. That's all right. Yeah, I mentioned pulling the plug on something. You're like, oh man, yeah, that's a good idea. What should I? That's what, that's what I've been trying to figure out all day. Literally, like I've got to pull the plug on something. How do I pull the plug to create room for new stuff? Because mm. there- I'm like this too. Like I've, I've got 30, I mean, I have 26 hours a week where my kids are at the babysitters. Mm. I got 26 hours a week. So if I'm going to add in something new, something else has to go. Yeah, And if you're a practitioner listening to this, don't be afraid to pull the plug on and create that something new, but something else has to go if your time is bound up doing other things. So, and as Kathy reminded me, hormones, love it. Well, I was going to ask, is there anything you're doing that's not creating joy that you just feel like, yeah, if I could let that go, I'd be a happier person. There's, it was okay until I've been lamb, I've been blasted multiple times over the last 24 hours inside a specific uh, Facebook group that I host and not and it's not mine it's like I I'm doing it as a favor honestly for this Mm. for this Mm. company and uh it's shaken me of course it has and usually I'm like this frame of steel that people can't penetrate and I've gotten penetrated the last 24 hours, which to me is just a sign that, okay, if I was, I've been thinking about what needs to go, here's my sign. Absolutely. I mean, you're doing this as a favor and getting personally attacked. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's pretty clear indication that. And then I'm getting attacked by thing. my own colleagues, but hey, I'm blazing the way in a different trail and it kind of triggers some people. So. They've been doing chiropractic and naturopath and the things that they've been doing for 25 years. And now I'm saying, look, COVID opened up so many doors. Escape what you're doing, what you hate, and come in to do what you could love. Just got to have the brain, the the faith to jump, right? The faith to jump, leave school to start off a new career. And that, and the other thing too is like when we talk about certifications, you know, that piece of paper behind me. It cost me $250,000 to get that mm. piece of paper. And it's like, I have that degree. I haven't done chiropractic in years. I have zero desire to go back to doing chiropractic. But it's like, am I brave enough to leap out of that world into this other world that's even more full of controversy? Well, I think <sighs> only you can answer that. And- I know. You probably have an awesome network of support that you can lean into to help make that decision. Yeah, it's just who do you trust? And there are some things that I, I've been working on and I want to keep secret. And I, I got to keep it secret until I can blast it out next year when it happens. But uh, let's talk about you. You went to elementary, I mean, you were an elementary teacher. I mean, you've got the degree. You spent the time doing it. Well, that's Now the it's thing, like Dr. I have Kylie. to make the decision to help people the way I really want to help them right now. Absolutely. And I, you know, like you, I mean, I had a master's degree um, and I, it was scary to say, okay, I might not be using that in the way I originally intended. However... Everything we do, every experience we have, every certification we get um, has value and it, you know, continues to uh, project us onto the road that we're meant to be on in order to do the work that we're here to do. 
And although I truly felt it was a vocation to be an English teacher um, and really didn't expect to find anything else that I felt quite so um, intuitive about, coaching midlife women has absolutely been that because I, I think from my own experience, as well as talking to other people like us who are, you know, branching out, trying new career paths, some of them may be a little controversial. Um, I think that people like us, we can't help ourselves. Like we just are going to end up doing this kind of work because it's inside of us to do it. And it's when we try to fight that, that we end up feeling unhappy or in conflict um, or being irritable to those that we love. Um, but once we're in flow with that work and we're really doing what we're meant to do, things just seem to fall into place. Waiting for that to happen, but I ought to make some decisions first. Mm. And when there. I have made those decisions, it falls into place. Mm-hmm. Like it, it really does. But it's yeah. like, and then you have like people in your back of your mind that are speaking you know, they, they accuse you of doing this and that. And why can't you just stick with one thing for longer than six months? <laughs> <sighs> Maybe it's shiny object syndrome. I haven't figured it out yet. No, no. It's being <gasps> a visionary. And people who aren't, they really struggle to understand it. Well, I think, too, you know, what, we're, what we set up now how can reap so many rewards two, three, five, ten years down the road. But... You got to have that long-term vision. You got to you got to make what you can now. You know, you've got to pay the bills. You got to excel. Like I have all these things and these dreams I want to do now, but I also know that if I do stuff now, it's going to set me up for what I want to be doing in two or three years on the road. Absolutely, yeah. You're laying the foundation. <clears throat> so, this podcast is one of those things that you just laid a foundation two years ago, and you have no idea what it turned into, and bam, it's turned into that. So, okay. All right, menopause. Now we're really going to talk hormones. Okay. What the heck? What the heck happens in menopause? Like, and and how do people? First off, how do people know that they're getting into this perimenopause? Okay. Phase. So I'm going to I'm going to tell um, a little bit of information that might be new to some of your listeners because there's so so little information out there on perimenopause. So first of all, it can start as early as 35. So a lot of women don't tell me have, that I'm 33. Uh, I know it, it could just be coming 33. for you. It could be coming, but here's the deal. A lot of women start having these symptoms in their you know, mid to late thirties and they, they think it can't be my hormones and they think it's something else going on. And so they go to their doctor, they get the blood work. Um, they don't have you in their life. So they, and they don't have your book in their life. So they don't know how to read their blood work. Um, and the doctors say, well, it's, it's all within the normal range. You know, you're fine. You're probably just, you know, starting to get a little older. And, you know, our medical doctors, you know, have their training in a, in a certain way, right? Their approach to the human body is in a certain way. Um, yours, mine, a little bit different, right? We're looking more holistic. We're looking at um, the woman or man's experience. In my case, it's always women. I'm looking at their, their lived experience. So I, in some ways, don't really care what their blood work or their urine shows, I want to know what their lived experience is, because here's the other thing that a lot of women don't know. Symptoms predate period changes. So if you're going to have symptoms, they're going to start before you notice any shift in your period. 
And so again, a lot of women think I'm having the symptoms, but my period's the same. So it mustn't be hormonal. Um, and so that's again, where I try to reeducate them and say, no, no, it can still be your hormones. Um, a lot of times we hear the word hormone, we think estrogen, progesterone, maybe testosterone, and that's kind of where it ends. But as you know, as many of your practitioners who listen know, hormones are things like cortisol and insulin. And those hormones are, you know, our master hormones, and they're always at work. Um, and they are often out of balance, depending on our stress levels, depending on how we're fueling our bodies, depending on how we're exercising. Um, so all of these things can contribute to this hormonal imbalance that is, yes, natural. It comes with perimenopause and this slow decline of our ovaries, making estrogen and being very busy and at work. Um, but there are exacerbating factors that are making it more intense and giving women these symptoms that make life a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah. So could symptoms can predate, predate to our changes in our period. And what if, like, I know so many people are like, well, I have a hysterectomy where I lost one ovary or I don't have my uterus or I don't even have both ovaries. Like everything's been removed. Um, how does that work? That and things get a little complicated when you start taking parts of the body out. <laughs> so, um, you know, really depends on, you know, first of all, why was all of that removed? Was there a cancer diagnosis? Uh, was it heavy bleeding related? So we have to look at that piece of it. But yeah, having your uterus and your ovaries removed puts you into surgical menopause. Uh, and that brings with it a whole other um, experience than the more gradual, natural perimenopause sliding into menopause. Um, and so women who are post-surgery are not my expertise. Um, I'm sure there are health coaches out there who specialize just in that. Um, but they should definitely be looking at, okay, how can I nourish my body? What can I do in my movement, my other lifestyle choices to, to support, you know, this sudden drop of all hormone production, um, from the, from the ovaries. Yeah. That's a huge shift, um, for one body and, and women really struggle with it. You know, it's really uncomfortable. Yeah. Just when we think we're done having kids and our body's done changing, it changes again. Well, that's just the thing. So it, and it's not, we always think of this as a body experience, but it's such a brain experience too. Um, you know, our brain actually re recalibrates throughout our lives as women in puberty and pregnancy, if uh, the woman has children and then in perimenopause. And the reason that's important is because that brain recalibration window is really a window of opportunity to make sure we're nourishing the midlife body in a way that's going to impact our longevity. It's going to impact our cognitive function. It's going to impact um, our bone health. And so we need to take advantage of that time of perimenopause um, and work to recalibrate our brains in such a way that um, it can burn ketones as well as glucose. Um, that the thermoregulation piece um, is getting the support that it needs. All of these things. And that's why you asked me earlier before recording, you know, why I love the perimenopause. And it's because of that, because it's this window of opportunity during which we can make choices that are going to have a very lasting impact. Give me a 
few examples of what those choices should be to make our menopause experience a lot better, especially when you're heading into that phase of life. So the first one I kind of alluded to before is this ability to burn ketones for energy. So um, I know the keto diet is very trendy right now. That's not what I'm talking about. Um, Our standard American diet, um, which I heard one of your other guests say, you know, sad, which is so true, um, is not doing us any favors in midlife. It is um, making us continue to be glucose burners, which we're very good at, but that's not our factory setting. When we come into this world, our factory setting is to burn ketones. Our genetics want to burn fat for energy, but because of how we fuel our bodies over the years, we just become really good sugar burners and fat burning becomes a lot harder. So we need to kind of relearn or reset back to our factory settings and burn ketones for energy. So one of the ways that I help my clients do this is looking at, you know, what they're eating on a day-to-day basis, when they're eating, um, and how frequently they're eating. Um, hunger is not necessarily a bad thing. Um, it's a, a sensation we get from our hormones. And so we want to make sure that our satiety and um, hunger hormones are in balance and are sending the signals that we want them to send to our bodies um, so that we're not overeating or eating when we aren't truly hungry and don't actually need nourishment. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, there's one. So when we talk about when are we eating, how much are we eating, what are some guidelines? Because we can talk about this and throw the throw the fish and line into the water, but let's go into a little bit more details here. Sure, sure. Should we do intermittent fasting? Should we, <laughs> you know... What's the the jam when it comes to menopause? (laughs) The million dollar question. So intermittent fasting is a tool. And like all tools, they work well for some people and not as well for others. Now, when I'm working with a client, I won't even introduce intermittent fasting until I'm sure she's a fat burner. Um, Because intermittent fasting can actually add unnecessary stress to our bodies, which then further messes up our cortisol, which then has a trickle down effect to our sex hormones. um, If it's not done when you are a fat burner. Um, So once I'm sure a client has the fat burning down, um, then I say, if you want to try intermittent fasting, let's see how it goes. And like all things, we don't want to do it the same exact way day after day, week after week, month after month. When my clients are still menstruating, there's a certain way that we approach intermittent fasting and that differs from if they have stopped menstruating. Um, so that, again, is a tool that women have to try and see how does it make me feel? Um, you know, do I feel energized? Am, is it a useful weight loss tool for me? Or does it seem to really tire me out? Um, and so that's why, you know, working with a practitioner like yourself or like me is so helpful because there's somebody to touch base with on a regular basis so that you can be asked the questions that are important and have the conversation um, to f- better understand your body. And that's truly like the main goal of when I work with women is that I want them to better understand their bodies and what nourishes their bodies, what supports their bodies and what doesn't. Yeah. Okay. Food's one easy thing that we can control as far as our choices. Um, I'm a big proponent of eating real food. 
Just yeah. eat real food and listen to your body. There's times where I eat breakfast at eight o'clock in the morning. There's times where I quote intermittent fast and don't eat till it's lunch at 12 or one. Half the time it's because I just get busy working and don't pay attention. But you can fluctuate and you don't have to do the same thing all the time. You know, if you think about a thousand years ago when we didn't have stores, I mean, even a hundred years ago when we didn't have stores and food readily available, there were seasons of the day, of the year, and our, and our food followed those seasons. There were seasons of famine. There were seasons of plenty. There were, and our bodies adapted and, and overcame that stuff. Now it's just, you can order food from your phone and have it delivered to you in two seconds. It's mm-hmm. crazy. And that food tends to be pretty processed. Yeah, eat real food. Eat real food. Real That's food. a good one. And uh, when it comes, like, one thing that I started doing that I love, and not everybody's in the, these, the situation, but you can order Arby's or you can order Jersey Mike's or whatever you're going to order from from uh, your phone at a cost of, let's just say it's $10 a meal. That's about average, I think, for a fast food meal or even going out of any sort on the cheaper version. Well, you can get meal prepped food that's healthy and clean shipped directly to your house for $9 a meal. That's a steal. So if you, you flip the script and you think, well, if I'm just so busy, I can't, don't have time to make food or I don't, maybe you don't enjoy cooking. It's not one of the things I love to do. I would much rather be with my kids than spending time in the kitchen and cleaning it up afterwards. And I've done all the meal prep thing for myself for years. Like that's how we did it in school. We, I spend Fridays and Saturdays, well, Saturdays and Sundays meal prepping all my food for the entire week. My husband's eating 8,000 calories a day with the bodybuilding and I'm at school 16 hours a day. So if you need to find a meal prepping, I'm sure they're all over. I go to the one that's local and, and grab that food. And now it's, it's, it's clean food. It's bodybuilding food. It's not like the greatest tasting food in the world, but you know, you're, you've always got food on hand and it's clean. Yeah. It's it's nourishing and it's, yeah, it's good for your body. It's good for your hormones. Yeah. So again, as we were talking about decisions and taking and figuring out, you know, what can I add to my plate and what do I need to let go of my plate? Maybe cooking is something that you can let go and have somebody else do it for you and just watch how that frees up your time. It makes you feel better because you're now you're nourishing your body in a healthier way. And it's like one less thing to worry about. I mean, how many times do we just like, what's for dinner? Um, Just having to make the decision is the yeah. hardest part. Yeah. I, Let someone I, else do it for you. That's that's a very good su- suggestion. Very good. Okay, so that's the first choice we can make: um, getting our body to burn ketones or fat for energy, like we our our factory settings were made mm-hmm. to do. Right. Mm-hmm. What's one other choice we can make as we finish up here? So, um, I don't use the word exercise with my clients. I use the word movement because, again, we were not made to sit at desks all day long. We were not made to, um, you know, be on computers day in and day out. So rather than pushing my clients, you know, where can you exercise in your day? I ask them, how can you incorporate more movement into your day? And just that subtle shift really makes a difference for a lot of them. Um, I had a client who, you know, was doing a lot of sitting, um, even though it wasn't a computer job. And so she started 
um, bringing the linens up and down the stairs instead of letting her staff do it. And when we began working together, she couldn't do it without becoming out of breath. And by the time her program wrapped up, you know, she could do it easily um, and had figured out a way to make it actually, you know, almost a treat to get up from her station and go and help with this task. Yeah, I try to do it. Like I'm on a standing desk right now, which mm-hmm. helps, but I've looked at even getting those walking treadmills that, you that can go just, under the desk. Yeah, yeah, that go under yeah. the desk that walk and you can hear I We could do that right now and I could be walking yeah. Um, but I They've love got pedals too. You can, if you're more of a yeah. cyclist. Yeah. I love getting outside, especially as we're heading into the fall time because it's you know, end of September when we're recording this. And I'm in Utah. So before winter hits, it's blasted cold. I like to get out in the sunshine. So like every hour, I'll just go, you know, walk the block for five minutes. And oh, that's so good for you. Something like that. And even when you like pull into a grocery store, how many of us pull in and think, where can I park that's closest to the doors? I just, pull in a park. You might that's, have that extra 20 sex steps that could really, you know, add that's, up. That's one of the ones that my clients and I often talk about is rather than going to the closest parking spot, go to the furthest one. It's not going to take you more than an extra 30 seconds, but it's going to do better for your body. Yeah. So just simple things that you can add in. That That's key. Yeah. The simplicity is key. Mm-hmm. Final question. The, the big drum roll question. If you were to lose everything and start over again, what would you recommend? What would you do differently? Or this may be the same. Um, I know you, you told me you were going to ask this. <laughs> it's hard to choose, right? I think I would um, try to address the imposter syndrome earlier. Um, when I got board certified this summer, it wasn't until I got that certification that all of a sudden I felt this weight lift that I didn't even know I had been carrying. And it was this imposter syndrome, you know, this fear of people um, either judging me or not believing that I was legit in what I was doing, even though I was getting clients the results that they wanted. So I think I would address that earlier um, and really try to release it because it was holding me back. And I think we've been lied to as practitioners. It doesn't matter how many freaking letters you have next to your name. Like I had one person, multiple people in fact, email me and say, hey, I'm looking at this certification. Do you think I need it to charge more? You don't need no stupid certification to charge more. You just need belief in yourself and your experience and your services. But we've been trained subliminally and all throughout school. You have to have the certifications. You have to have the degrees. You need the paper. That's what makes you money. Yeah. Nothing to do with that. No, it really. We doesn't. could go walk down like my nine million levels roads on people who are quote successful who don't even have a college degree or even a certification next to their name. Mm-hmm. So, all right, guys, love it. Kathy, where can they learn more about you? Um, you can pop over to my website, kathyfritzcoaching.com, and you can grab my four surprising ways to reduce your hot flashes, insomnia, and waistline. And then we'll be connected. Um, if you want to see if I can help you with your hormone imbalance, you can set an appointment up right from my website. That's Kathy Fritz, F-R-I-T-Z, coaching.com. All right, guys. Till next time. Ready to have all of your blood work compiled in one location where you can easily read it all together? Well, go grab my book, Why Are My Labs Normal, on Amazon. Grab it, learn how to read your own labs, 
and take the power back in your hands because your normal blood work is loaded with answers. You just got to have the right person reading it and the right person can be you. Go grab it on Amazon, Why Are My Labs Normal by Dr. Kylie Burton. Leave a review and we'll see you on the next episode.